I used to hate nature. We'll start right there. That's gonna, how we're going to kick off this series. I used to hate nature, and I'm talking all of it. I hated the, the, the heat and the cold and the sweating and the dirt and the mosquitoes and the sand, right? The sand, it's coarse and rough and irritating, and it gets everywhere. I was a germaphobe, too, on top of everything. So yeah, I hated nature. Until I was in about my mid-20s, I was perfectly fine just staying inside in the air conditioning where everything was nice and tidy. I didn't have to get dirty, right? That made me happy. And until I was in my 20s, that was fine. But then, but then, somewhere in my mid-20s, I found myself in Panama. And I realized, I said this last night, and then I realized I probably should explain. You probably are thinking, like, what was he like? abducted? Was there like drug running or something? No, I was running an organization where I was doing journalism and I, I was staying for a while in the mountains of central Panama. I was in the jungles. I lived in a, in a hut. I was, I was literally being, you know, bitten by, by giant spiders. I mean, it was terrifying. And uh, we're climbing through the mountains. I got a machete wound. It was self-inflicted, but it did happen. And, um, and I mean, I was just having this like great, crazy adventure that was super uncomfortable. And I don't know why, But for some reason, that trip changed everything for me. On that trip, I don't know whether it was the scenic vistas or the biodiversity or the adventure. I don't know what it was, but something changed in me and I began a journey, a journey that that transformed my understanding and my feeling towards the natural world. I came home from that trip and I bought my very first backpack and I started doing uh, backpacking, solo backpacking trips into the woods. And I I, uh, started paying attention to the things that I was eating and and the way that I was living in the world. I started growing a few things out back of my apartment and, and suddenly everything was changing. And now today, it's ridiculous how far that journey has taken me. Today, I spend most of my free time growing organic fruits and vegetables. I drive a Prius. I'm saving up for solar panels for my house. My wife and I adopt rescue animals, and that's like what we do together. There we are with our girls, three of our seven chickens. That's Heather, uh, Chelsea, and uh, uh, sorry, Scarlett and, and Chelsea there, in case you're curious. And yeah, this, by the way, is what we did the earlier this week. It's how we found ourselves. We were literally uh, bathing and blow-drying a sick chicken. So this is my life now. This is what we do. Uh, and uh, poor Heather was, was not feeling great. And so you can't, you can't like get them wet and then put them right back in the coop or they'll get really sick. So we had to blow-dry a chicken. That's, that's what I did this week. So, okay. I started with hating nature, and somehow over the last, I don't know, 12 years or so, I went from this AC-loving, nature-hating, uh, germaphobic couch potato to a, a tree-hugging, bleeding-heart environmentalist, and the journey could not have been more stark. That's where I am today. Now, this sermon series is all about creation care. It's all about nature, and I'm sure some of you think, well, of course, Barry, you care about that stuff, but, but I didn't always. And so as I've been preparing for this message, one of the things I've been thinking about is why, why did, did my perspective change so much? Like, what was it in my life that, that, that took me on this journey? And I think I've boiled it down to three causes or, or three things that have sort of shifted in my, my own perspective. So I'm going to share those with you to give you some context of where we're going here and why, why I feel this is an important thing for us to talk about. Number one, ever since Panama, 
I've had this growing realization of my own connection with the natural world, like my own, my own physical and, and emotional connection with creation itself, with animals and plants and, and, and nature. Um, I, I've realized, I've started to realize how beautiful and how life-giving that connection can be when it's healthy. When that, when that relationship is going well, things come alive within me. I've, I've started to finally realize that. So that's one. Number two, I've, I've come to understand a lot better just how badly we've broken this planet as, as a species, how humanity, the, the devastation that we have, have wrought on this planet. And, and I'm now, I think, beginning to really understand and grasp just how disastrous the consequences could be for, for you know, creation itself, but also for humanity, for for the poor and the marginalized, for the vulnerable, the people that I care about because I follow Jesus, I'm realizing how disastrous the consequences could be for them and for us if we don't do something about this, if we continue to neglect creation. So that's number two. I've come to this, this other realization. But third, and this one's probably the most surprising to me, I've begun to realize that the, the biblical call for creation has kind of been staring us in the face this whole time. Scripture talks a lot about this, and I don't think I ever realized that until much, much later in my life, till this, till the last few years. And so I think it's important with all that in mind for us to have a conversation about what our role as Christ followers should be or can be in, in paying attention to the natural world. Now, I'm going to be clear I don't expect you all to start blow-drying chickens, okay? That's not the outcome of this series. That's not what this is all about. But I do think that if, if creation care really is in the Bible, if it really is staring us in the face, then I think we, had ought, to, we ought to pay attention to that. We ought to pay attention. So let's pay attention. And let me show you that it really is here. So if you would, I would love it for you to— Oh, you know what? Hold on. I got ahead of myself. Let me set up the series real quick, and then we'll get into the, then we'll get into the, the passage. We're going to go to Psalm 104 if you want to start looking for it later. But, okay, this, this series, it's Hope Month. And just a quick recap, if you're not familiar with Hope Month, we, once a year, we look deeply at one of the broken, one of the six broken places, and we, we ask, what is Scripture calling us to do as Christ followers to participate in healing that broken place? This is the third Hope Month in a row, and so far I've, I've loved these series because it gives us a chance to go really, really deep. So this year we're talking about what we call uh, decay, the decay of our planet, or to flip it around again, what God is calling us to do to care for the planet or care for creation. Now, this word decay, we get this from Romans 8, uh, the letter to the Romans that the Apostle Paul wrote. He said, The creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth right up to this present time. Now, we know what it means for creation to groan, right? Just flip on the news. Look at, look at uh, the latest headlines. I mean, we're talking environmental devastation and wildfires and, and climate catastrophes and species extinction. Like, it's all happening in front of our eyes. We know what it's like for creation to groan. We know, implicitly, we know this is not the way it's meant to be. It's not the way it's meant to be. So, Hope Month. Hope Month. We're going to talk about that groaning of creation, that, that decay of our planet, and what we can do to respond. So we're going to search the Bible, and we're going to ask three big questions. Three big questions. Number one, why should I care? 
Why should I care at all? That's today's message. Why should I care? Number two, what should I do? Let's say I do care. Now what? What do I do? And number three, what if it's not enough? What if the the measly efforts that I'm able to offer don't actually make a dent at all? So, Those are the questions that we are going to ask. And throughout the month, it's going to be, I mean, obviously we'll have the messages, but we're going to have a whole bunch of other stuff going on too. We're going to have bonus content online, and we're going to have events and activities. And as you heard, we're going to have weekend of service for the first time in many years. We're bringing it back. It's going to be amazing. Uh, August 28th and 29th, and just to give you a bit more details on this, for weekend of service, we close down the building. So we don't have church. We're not having a church service at all. Instead, we'll have a little gathering outside, a little mini church service, but then we are all going to go out to serve in our world. And there's a whole bunch of different creation care oriented uh, activities this year. We're going to have, there's one group that's going to be uh, removing invasive species and, and planting some indigenous pollinator plants out in our wildflower meadow back there. Another group's going to be going over to Oinking Acres, which is a, a uh, rescue farm, and I don't know, probably doing some cool stuff there, maybe petting some pigs, I'm not sure. Uh, another group's going to be making little, little uh, bee hotels, which is a great way to allow for like indigenous pollinators to, to have a place to live. Anyway, super cool. And, and here's the thing. Um, this is a really great opportunity to invite somebody who wouldn't be caught dead in a church. I'm just saying, this is an opportunity for you. If you have that, that person in your life, your one, perhaps, the one person that God has laid on your heart, this is a great way to, to invite them in to participate in what God is doing here, even if they wouldn't want to do a church service at all. Because who doesn't want to go and, and uh, care, for, care for creation and pick up trash and, and do things that matter in the world? So August 28th and 29th, sign up, please. And, and you really might want to get on that website and find those. Uh, it's going to be gracechurch.us slash hope. You might want to find the, um, the project that looks good to you because I think the really cool ones are probably going to fill up fast. I wouldn't be shocked if the Oinking Acres truck is going to be pretty full on the way out there or bus or I don't even, probably cars. I'm not sure how we're transporting out there. But anyway, take a look. Head on over there. It's going, to be, it's going to be awesome. Oh, and we do have family-friendly projects and some ones that are indoors as well. Forgot to mention that. So if that's a, a, a desires to you, then we're going to have that as well. Okay. All right. So now let's dive in. Now let's talk about why we should care. Why we should care at all. And I'm going to go ahead and give away the ending right now. The ending of this, of this message, why should we care? It's because God cares. God cares about creation. That's where we're headed. No surprises there. We should care because God cares. And I'm going to show you what I mean. So go ahead and grab a Bible now and turn to Psalm 104. We're going to start in verse 10. And uh, I'm just going to be honest. Right now, we are not going to go as deeply into this psalm as it deserves. Psalm 104 is one of my favorite psalms. I could talk about it for hours. We don't have that time. But if you are interested, and there's no pressure for this at all, but you are more than willing or more than able to hop over to my personal YouTube page where I just geeked out and made a 20-minute long deep dive into Psalm 104. So it's, it's youtube.com slash Barry Rod. You can find me on there. And it, it's nerdy. I mean, it, we're getting into like Egyptian mythology and... Uh, Uh, I don't know, Hebrew parallelism and all that stuff. So if you're interested in that, you know, check me out on YouTube. Like and subscribe. Hit that notification bell. Just joking. If you watch YouTube a lot, you're tired of hearing that. But uh, yeah, so let's talk a little bit about Psalm 104. Now, 
the beginning of this psalm, it kind of follows the Genesis creation story a little bit beat by beat. And, and it, the psalmist is talking about God creating the universe and, and creating the planet itself. But then he begins to get a bit more specific at what God is up to in this creation. Look at verse 10. God, you make springs pour water into the ravines, so streams gush down from the mountains. They provide water for all the animals, and the wild donkeys quench their thirst. The birds nest beside the streams and sing among the branches of the trees. You send rain on the mountains from your heavenly home, and you fill the earth with the fruit of your labor. You cause grass to grow for the livestock and plants for the people to use. You allow them to produce food from the earth, wine to make them glad, olive oil to soothe their skin, and bread to give them strength. The trees of the Lord are well cared for, the cedars of Lebanon that he planted. There the birds make their nests and the storks make their homes in the cypresses. High in the mountains live the wild goats and the rocks form a refuge for the hyraxes. Uh, Hyraxes, if you're curious, are like little rock badger looking things. I don't know. They, crazy enough, they're most closely related to like elephants, which doesn't make any sense to me because they look like little badgers, but go look it up on the internet. They're really crazy. Anyway, anyway, so the imagery of this psalm is so beautiful to me. And I love the way that the psalmist has laid out this section. Uh, If you look at some of the language, what you'll notice is that he starts up in a mountain and he kind of works his way down the mountain, past the trees, past the animals and the springs, down to a valley where humans live, where all the gardening is going on. And then he goes back up a a mountain up to the other mountain top. So you've got mountains, mountains with a valley in the middle. It's super intentional. It's super cool. And what he's doing is he's paying attention to what he sees God doing all along the way. And so what does he see? Well, he sees life. He sees provision. Uh, He sees, as as it says in verse 13, he sees the fruit of God's labor. So God's working. He's he's providing. And and here's what's interesting. Because yes, uh, in the middle of that that passage, you've got the valley and you you can see what God's doing for humans, food and wine and, and bread. And and it's normal, natural for us to like think only of that because that's our lived experience of God's provision. But the the psalmist is making a really concerted effort for us to understand that God is also everywhere else. He's not just in the valleys where humans live. He is everywhere else providing places for birds to nest and water for donkeys to drink. God cares about the, the donkeys getting good water, right? And and trees in this passage, they're not just scenery. They're not just part of the backdrop. If you look at verse 16, They are the trees of the Lord. They're his trees, right? God plants them himself. God cares for them. This passage depicts God as like the ultimate gardener, the ultimate gardener. He's moving from place to place, nurturing every part of creation to flourishing. That's what he's doing. So let's keep reading. Uh, Look at verse 24. Skip down there. Oh Lord, what a variety of things you've made. In wisdom, you've made them all. The earth is full of your creatures. Here is the ocean, vast and wide, teeming with life of every kind, both large and small. See the ships sailing along and Leviathan, which you made to play in the sea. They all depend on you to give them food as they need it. When you supply it, they gather it. You open your hand to feed them and they are richly satisfied. But if you turn away from them, they panic. When you take away their breath, they die and turn again to dust. When you give them your breath, life is created and you renew the face of the earth. The earth is full of 
your creatures, it says. They all depend on you. You supply their food. You give them your breath. Here's what I want you to notice in this. In this whole psalm, in this whole psalm, God is active, right? He's, he, he's active. He's working. It's all in the present tense. God is doing all of this as we speak, whether we see it or not, whether it's in the valley or on the mountaintop. No, in other words, creation is not just some historical event, right? It's not just something that God did a long time ago and then he set nature in motion and let it run its course. He didn't just spin the, the earth like a top and walk away. No, according to scripture, and believe me, Psalm 104 is hardly the only place that we see this. It's all over the place. God is actively sustaining this world. His presence is, is, is what's providing food for his creatures. And, and he's providing water for his trees and his grass. He's involved, in other words. He's involved. Jesus himself, he, he said it this way. He said, not a single sparrow can fall to the ground without your father knowing it. And look at verse 30 here. Look at this. It's God's very breath, his spirit, which by the way, that's the same word in Hebrew, breath and spirit. It's God's breath, which gives life to everything. God's spirit is the animating force of life in the universe. Think about that. It's wild. Your breath, the breath of every animal, the, the, the respiration that's going on with trees, that is God's breath working through creation. Put simply, Put simply, and I think this is what Psalm 104 is, is wanting us to think about. Wherever we see life flourishing, we see God's hand at work. Now, here's what this tells me. I mean, this tells me, I'm going to boil it right down. God cares about his creation. God cares about his creation. Simple as that. God is not indifferent to the health of his planet about the well-being of his creatures, about the, the natural order that he so masterfully designed. God cares about his creation. And any conversation that we have about the environment or about creation care or any of it, it has to start here. It has to start here. God cares. He actually cares. And so we, well, we probably should too, shouldn't we? If God cares, so should we. So how are we doing with that, guys, as a, as a species? How, if we were to grade ourselves A to F, what, what would we give ourselves as a species for, for caring about creation the way that God does? How do we treat this world that God is so actively nurturing? Ugh, well, we're not doing great. Uh, I'm going to say that. As a species, we are not really crushing it. For one thing, well, we maybe are crushing it, actually, in the more literal sense. For one thing, humanity just seemingly from the beginning, has tended to treat the earth as little more than a resource to exploit, okay? We, we, you know, you've got God who's gently nurturing life and abundance, and we're going around deforesting the Amazon to plant a bunch of palm trees, or we're, we're removing entire mountaintops to get access to more coal, or we're, you know, we're, we're ripping up ancient prairies so that we can give our, our cattle more grassland to, to graze, and by the way, again, this is not a modern thing. I mean, it is very much a modern thing, but this goes all the way back. I'm reading a book right now all about the collapse of ancient civilizations, you know, some 
easy beach reading and stuff. And, and I'm telling you, it is so crazy to realize that almost every ancient civilization that collapsed, the Sumerians, the, the Babylonians, Easter Island, they all collapsed in part because of over-exploitation of the natural world. We've been doing this since the beginning, right? So this is not a modern thing. We, we treat creation as a species as, as just a pile of commodities to consume. So that's a problem. Another thing, while God is, is paying loving attention to every sparrow and cypress tree, we don't seem to be paying any attention at all. There, there are, are uh, invasive species that we're letting take over our landscapes and, and kill all the natural uh, plants and animals that we need. We're, we're destroying natural habitats to grow vast monocultures of corn and soybeans. We're exploiting God's creatures in a way that is just not humane. And on top of all of this, while God is, as Psalm 104 says, as he is filling the earth with the fruit of his labor, what are we filling it with? We're filling it with poison, right? We're, we're, we're polluting waterways with toxic chemicals and we're filling the ocean with plastic waste and we're pumping enough CO2 into the atmosphere to practically guarantee the untold suffering of plants and animals and humans alike by the end of this century. So no, no, humanity's not doing an awesome job, okay? We're not, we're not doing an incredible job. I'm gonna go ahead and give us an F. We failed this class, take it again, right? We did not do an amazing job. While our God is a God of life and order and, and abundance and provision, as a species, we seem to be hell-bent on death and destruction and chaos. That's our, that's our bent. God cares about his creation, but so far, Humans have proven that we just don't. We just don't. So that's kind of bleak. How do we respond to this? How, how, do we, how do we react to this overwhelming reality? Because if you're like me, it, it can be debilitating. You hear about these massive issues and these, these global phenomenon, and it's like, what could I possibly do? I'm overwhelmed. So what do we do? What do we do with the world that is so deeply broken? Well, what do we do with the other broken places? What do we do about the other ways that, that humanity has broken the way things were meant to be? Um, injustice or pain or isolation or hatred. What do we do about the broken relationship between humans and God himself? Well, we try to heal them. We work to, to heal them because, yeah, they're all overwhelming and huge, but we trust don't we? We trust that with those broken places, God is in the business of restoration. We trust that, that God wants to bring humanity back into Eden, back into a right relationship with him, back into provision and abundance and, and all of that. And we trust that we can play a part in that. We trust that we can actually play a part in restored relationships and justice and peace. We are the hands and the feet of Jesus. We trust, I mean, this is why Christ came into the world in the first place. He came into the world to heal it, to, to unbreak it. And so why wouldn't that also include the broken relationship between humans and creation itself? Yes, yes, Jesus came to bring us back to God first and foremost. Yes, he came to heal injustice. We're okay thinking about that. But he also came to heal decay. He came to heal decay. Listen to how the Apostle Paul put it in Colossians 1. This is how he put it. He said, Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. 
He existed before anything was created, and he's supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Now that sounds like Psalm 104 to me, right? The God of life and provision holding all creation together. But listen to how he goes on in just a couple verses. Uh, He says, For God, in all his fullness, was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. So, so Christ is holding all creation together and he reconciled everything through his death and resurrection. Now this word reconciled, in the Greek, this is a word that, that is similar. It's the same word that you would use for two friends who had a falling out. If you, you know, they, they're not talking to each other. They're angry at each other. If you reconciled them, you would help them go move from hostility to love. And they'd be talking again. They'd be in, communi- in community together. They'd have uh, that right relationship once more. That's the same thing that's happening with us and this world. We've had a falling out with creation. We're, we're unreconciled. We are, we are hostile with creation now. There's conflict here. And Christ, he's reconciling us. He's healing that broken relationship so that we are no longer enemies with the world that we are a part of. He holds all creation together, and now he's bringing peace. That's what he does. So if that is what God is doing, if that's what he's up to through Jesus— then what should we do? What should our response be? Well, as Paul says elsewhere, we should imitate God in everything we do because we are his dear children. Imitate God, guys. Look at what he's doing in the world and join him. Look for God's hand at work and try to do the same thing. And what do we see God doing in the world? Psalm 104. We see God nurturing creation, right? And spreading life and abundance and caring for the world that he made. We can imitate him. We've all seen how how adorable it is when a a child is trying to imitate their parents. Mom, did I ever have one of those little, or was it Lucy that had one of those little 1980s little plastic uh, vacuum cleaners? Was it mine or Lucy's? vacuum cleaner. I don't know. Anyway, you know what I'm talking about. We used to do that or like a little lawnmower or whatever, and we'd like imitate you guys because we saw you doing stuff and we would do the same thing. Guys, we can do the same thing with our father. Yeah, we may not be super effective with a little plastic vacuum cleaner, but we're doing what he does and we're going to learn what it's like to actually step into the work that he's doing in this world. We can imitate our father. God cares about creation. We can too. That's what I'm trying to say. God cares about creation. We can too. We can imitate him. And just imagine, just imagine for a moment if we started to actually do this. Imagine what would happen if the church, if if the church of Jesus Christ was actually leading the way in caring for creation. Imagine how much the credibility gap would close if, if people looked at us and we said, yeah, we're caring for creation because we serve the creator himself. Can you imagine what would happen? I believe this is an opportunity for us. Yeah, we got a a failing grade the first time around, but we are being given another chance to take a stand for something that is actually going to create momentum and, and, and action as we join God in what he is doing in a way that I believe the community around us is going to stand up and take notice of. 
This is an opportunity to imitate our God. And I think it's an exciting one. We can put our faith into action in such a way that our world genuinely changes and the credibility gap closes. And guess what happens when the credibility gap closes? More people come to faith in Jesus that saves them and transforms them forever. That's what this opportunity affords us. God cares for his creation. We can do the same thing. So that's what this series is all about. The series is all about looking into that question of, okay, how do we do that? How do we imitate God in in spreading life and abundance in our world? We're going to spend some time digging into Scripture, looking into all of that. And and next week, we're going to get into more specifics about how the relationship with creation broke down in the first place. We'll go back to Eden, and we'll talk about the story of Adam and Eve, and what, 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 what that story teaches us about our relationship with the world. It's going to be really good. And next week, we're going to start to get a little bit more practical. What, what in our lives can we be doing to, to partner with God in His healing work? But I want to get one— final thought across today before we, before we end, and it's this. Through this whole series, yeah, we're going to talk about some, some hard stuff. We're going to talk about some challenging things that we need to do, but I want you to understand that this is not, this is not about making you feel guilty. Guilt does not motivate people. Hope does. This is not about making you feel guilty. This is not about trying to to impose a bunch of little hardships on your life so that you can get points for going green. Okay, that's not what this is about. Nor is this about trying trying to tell you that there's some specific lifestyle that you're supposed to live. I joked earlier that I'm a tree hugging environmentalist now, but if you looked at my energy bill for our house, you'd be embarrassed of me, right? We've got work to do. I'm not great at recycling and sustainability. I've got so much growth in my own journey. We all do. We all do. So again, this is not about guilt. What this is about, it's about thinking differently. This whole series is about changing our mentality, thinking differently about our place in the world that we live in. It's about realizing that we are not just mindless consumers who are here to suck the earth dry before we zip off to some disembodied heaven. That's not what this is about. No, it's about understanding that we, every one of us, are an integral part of a vibrant creation, which is being reborn by Jesus into a new creation even as we speak. Ultimately, ultimately, this is about understanding that our best possible life, our best possible life, comes from joining God in the work that he cares about, in the work that he's already doing. It's standing shoulder to shoulder with God and working to do the things that he cares about. You know why that's our best possible life? Because then when we turn, God is right there. He's right there with us. God cares about, as it says in Psalm 104, he cares about renewing the face of the earth. We can join him in that work. And guys, I believe at the bottom of my heart that when we do, we will experience some of that same renewal in our own lives. I've experienced it. You can experience it. We can be renewed. Creator of life itself, our Father, he's extending an invitation to us right now, today. Imitate me. I say that we give that a shot and we see where this journey takes us. Let's pray. Well, Father God, as I, as I think about the world that we live in, 
this, this abundant, beautiful creation that you have made. I'm overwhelmed with, with wonder, with awe, with gratitude. <laughs> the fact that you would do all of this and that you would want to partner with us in, in caring for it, it's, it's overwhelming. And Father, at the same time, I know that we are all filled with such grief at how badly we've missed the point and how, how, how terribly we have broken this world that you have so lovingly created. And so, Father, my prayer is that your Holy Spirit would, would awaken in us a vision of this world that matches your vision for this world. I pray that as we think about our place in creation, we would see you not as some distant deity who's barely involved, but as the life-giving sustainer of everything. That we would see your, your breath breathing life into everything around us. And in so doing, Father, we would be uh, enlivened to join you in your restoration work. God, we, we are eager to join in what you are doing. We want to imitate you. And so, Father, this month, would you speak to us and would you help us be a church that takes a stand to care for your creation that you care so much about? Father, we pray this in the name of Jesus who is reconciling it all. Amen. Thanks for watching, but don't stop there. We want you to find community at Grace Church. And the first step in doing that is going to gracechurch.us slash hub. There you'll find other sermons, details about upcoming events, and other important announcements. And make sure you subscribe to our channel so you don't miss out when we post something new. Thanks again for watching. We'll see you next time.